I invite you now, brethren and sisters, to take your Bibles and turn with me to the revelation that Jesus Christ has shown to his servant John, chapter 18. Revelation 18. <clears throat> Chapter 17 had described who the prostitute was, Babylon, and what God would do to her, destroy her. Now we pick up chapter 18, and you read after this, so after the destruction of Babylon in 17, we'll come to that in the sermon. After this, I saw another angel coming down from heaven, having great authority, and the earth was made bright with his glory. And he called out with a mighty voice, Fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. There's your theme of chapter 17. She's become a dwelling place for demons, a haunt for every unclean spirit, a haunt for every unclean bird, a haunt for every unclean and detestable beast. For all nations have drunk the wine of the passion of her sexual immorality, and the kings of the earth have committed immorality with her. And the merchants of the earth have grown rich from the power of her luxurious living. Then I heard another voice from heaven saying, Come out of her, my people, lest you take part in her sins that you share in her plagues. For sins are heaped high as heaven, and God has remembered her iniquities. Pay her back, as she herself has paid back others, and repay her double for her deeds. Mix a double portion for her in the cup she mixed. As she glorified herself and lived in luxury, so give her a like measure of torments and mourning. Since in her heart she says, I sit a queen, I'm no widow, and mourning I shall never see. For this reason, her plagues will come in a single day, death and mourning and famine, and she'll be burned up with fire, for mighty is the Lord God who has judged her. And the kings of the earth that commit a sexual morality and live in luxury with her will weep and wail over her when they see the smoke of her burning. They'll stand far off in fear of her torment and say, Alas, alas, you great city, you mighty city Babylon, for in a single hour your judgment has come. And the merchants of the earth weep and mourn for her since no one buys their cargo anymore. Cargo of gold and silver, jewels, pearls, fine linen, purple cloth, silk, scarlet cloth, all kinds of scented wood, all kinds of articles of ivory, all kinds of articles of costly wood, bronze, iron and marble, cinnamon, spice, incense, myrrh, frankincense, wine, oil, fine flour, wheat, cattle and sheep, horses and chariots and slaves, that's human souls. fruit for which your soul longed is gone from you, and all your delicacies and your splendors are lost to you, never to be found again. The merchants of these wares who gained wealth from her will stand far off in fear of her torment, weeping and mourning aloud, alas, alas, for the great city that was clothed in fine linen, in purple and scarlet, adorned with gold, with jewels and with pearls. 
for in a single hour all this wealth has been laid waste. And all shipmasters and seafaring men, sailors and all whose trade is on the sea stood far off and cried out as they saw the smoke of a burning, what city is like the great city? And they threw dust on their heads as they wept and mourned, crying out, Alas, alas, for the great city where all who had ships at sea grew rich by her wealth. For in a single hour she's been laid waste. Rejoice over her, O heaven, and you saints and apostles and prophets, for God has given judgment for you against her. So far, brothers and sisters, the reading from God's word, the passage I would like to use as a window to open up this chapter is verse 4. The first part of verse 4, then I heard another voice from heaven saying, come out of her my people. And we hear that. And perhaps the thought crosses your mind, and this, this is obviously an instruction that pertained to John's readers 2,000 years ago. I mean, they had to come out of her. Do we have to too? I want to ask that question because it seems to me that we Christian people in the peninsula are perhaps more influenced by the thinking and the values of our present civilization than we're aware of or care to admit. Well, here the Lord's telling us we are influenced. And we need to step away from the values of our North American civilization. That's why the theme for the sermon this afternoon is this. Christ instructs his people to reject Babylon's values. In unpacking that theme, I ask your attention for three points. The first is, why reject Babylon's values? Second place, what do we do instead? And then, how do we respond? So the first question to answer, why reject Babylon's values? Chapter 18 is made up of three speeches from heavenly beings. Verse 1 begins the one speech, then verse 4 all the way to 20, and then 21, a third speech. So we're in the second one. The second one is characterized simply as an other voice from heaven. Now I suspect that you know sufficient of your Bible including the book of Revelation, to know that if there is a voice from heaven, that voice is speaking on the authority of Christ Jesus. 
After all, he's enthroned in heaven. That's the relevant item we need to bear in mind here as to who this voice is. We're not told. But he speaks from Christ's authority. But that means all people of all times and places need to listen. Because Christ is speaking. And what's he say? He says, come out of her, my people. The pronoun her is clearly a reference to Babylon. So now the question becomes, what's meant by Babylon? And again, you'll know your Bible sufficiently to be aware that Babylon was the capital city of the Babylonian Empire. This is where Nebuchadnezzar, for example, reigned. And what epitomizes Babylon is perhaps the words that Nebuchadnezzar spoke one day. It's Daniel chapter 4. He was standing on his roof and he's looking down over the city and he says, Is not this mighty Babylon that my hands have built? The point of the quote is that Babylon is the work of man. Is this a mighty city that I have built? And then you also understand that Babylon gets its name from Babel. The Tower of Babel is what man could build. More specifically, the intents of Babel and equally of Babylon is that man is going to make out of this earth with all its tears and its struggles and its torments is going to make out of this earth a paradise. We're going to answer all the questions, we're going to solve all the problems, and we don't need God. That's Babel, that's Babylon. We can cancel God, we can ignore God. Through our own efforts, we can build up a new paradise. Supply everybody's health, everybody's wealth, everybody's wishes in terms of freedom, in terms of whatever you may want. Of course, when I put it that way, then you'll also understand that Babylon was not limited to Genesis 11, Tower of Babel, or the days of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar. But Babylon, that term, comes to stand for any city, civilization, state that's adopted the value system of Babylon. Specifically, cancel God. We can develop paradise ourselves. So in John's day, 2,000 years ago, Babylon was epitomized by the Roman Empire. The city of Rome, Ephesus, Athens, name them. 
all had that value system that characterized Babylon. By the same token, then, Babylon, the term, catches what makes North American civilization tick. The world in which you live, the air that we breathe, is characterized by that mindset of Babylon. And we can cancel God and we can build up a paradise for ourselves. And now Jesus says, come out of her, my people. Come out. Meaning distance yourself from that mindset, from that value system. Now we need to understand that obeying that command takes effort. Considerable effort. And why is that? Because Babylon is so appealing. What I mean now is that Babylon, chapter 17, verse 5, portrays herself, acts as a prostitute. And we all understand that what a prostitute wants to do is sell herself, her wares, in order to satisfy the client's wants. There's something appealing, something alluring about the style of a prostitute to try to trip up whoever would fall for her. To be specific on that point, what's North American civilization offering you? What's so appealing? Let's be honest. We enjoy the prosperity of North America. The sense of wealth, luxury. I mean, every last one of us is living better than kings did 100 years ago. We appreciate the health system. We wouldn't want to do without it. We're thankful for it. But it's jolly attractive. The sense of freedom that comes with North America. We can come and go as we want. And we resent it when there's limitations put on our freedom. And the list goes on. But so many temptations, so many allurements, enticements of this Babylon, she comes across as a prostitute. And we're vulnerable. What makes it more difficult still to step away from her, to come out of her, is what's said in chapter 17 
Verse 3, this prostitute, Babylon, is riding a beast. Okay. The beast, if you read back in earlier chapters of Revelation, we first met that one in chapter 13. But what you need to understand now is that beast is driven by hell. There's something sinister and devilish about this beast. But again, reading a bit further in chapter 17, you'll find this beast has seven heads. She, the prostitute, Babylon is riding this beast, meaning she's master over her mount. Yeah? It's got seven heads. And the chapter tells us that the heads are seven kings. Now, seven's a full number. The point is, that all kings, that all presidents, that all prime ministers, and everybody else on that level of, 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 of authority are under the control of the prostitute. So that you get authorities who are making policy, be it economic, be it social, be it religious policy, that encourages people to work along on building up this Tower of Babel, this Babylon, this, this paradise. Further, chapter 17 tells us about the ten horns on this beast. And you're needing to think horns, think goats will use their horn in order to bully the reference here is to the wealthy, the powerful, over the course of history. That Babylon, this mindset, this prostitute would use in order to encourage more people to help along. Build this Babylon. Build this paradise on earth. And you catch the point. Chapter 17 would want us to know that this, this whole system is working together in order to, what's the word I need? To suck God's people away from God, from trusting in God and finding their sense of happiness, their sense of contentment, their, we're going to build a paradise without God. And you can say, but we're resisting this. We're resisting this strongly. I mean, we come to church. We're Christians. We believe Jesus Christ, the gospel. Good. But I think we also recognize that it's possible, after all, we're sinful people, it's possible to be schizophrenic about this so that on Sunday I am sitting in church 
and I want to be taught the way of the Lord, and I want nothing to do with Babylon, and I'm more than happy to come out of her. But come Monday and come Tuesday and come Wednesday, um, don't you touch my health. Don't you touch my wealth. Don't you touch my freedom. Right? That's why I say we're probably more influenced by the society, the civilization which we live, than we care to admit. And now Jesus says, voice from heaven, come out of her. My people, distance yourself from this mindset. And he gives the reason why. Lest you take part in her sins. Says verse 4. So, lest you do what Babylon's doing. What's that? Well, canceling God. We'll build a paradise ourselves. Come out of her, lest you fall for the enticements of the prostitute. And the Lord continues to explain why that's a bad thing. Because he says, lest you share in her plagues. What's the plagues? Enough for us to notice now the plagues is that she's fallen. God, Christ Jesus has triumphed over Babylon so that, verse 2, fallen, fallen is Babylon the great. To put it in the words of chapter 17, verse 14, she's off her mount. And you know a soldier off his horse is a defeated soldier. That's the picture the Lord's giving of Babylon defeated. And now please don't think that this is a reference to what's going to happen on the last day when Christ returns in glory. That's when the fulfillment is. But Christ has already triumphed over sin and over Satan. It's the cross where Christ paid for sin, defeated the devil. Because that's what Christ has done. He is able to build a paradise that Babylon can never build. And I say that, Babylon can never build a paradise because Babylon does not get to the cause of our problems, which is sin. But Christ has. And ascended into heaven. King of kings and Lord of lords. And so you, my brothers, my sisters, please... Have it fixed in your minds, Babylon today is off her horse. 
defeated. Glorious gospel. You want the evidence? Where's the Tower of Babel? Collapsed. Fallen. Fallen. It's the Tower of Babel. Where's the Babylonian Empire? Long gone. Fallen. Fallen is Babylon. Where's the Roman Empire? Long gone. Fallen. Fallen is that expression of Babylon. And I can carry on through history that way. Where's, where's the British Empire? That was a big thing. It's gone. Where's the Third Reich? That was an attempt to build up paradise. What's become of it? Fallen. Fallen. Is that iteration of Babylon? You read your news. What's happening in North American civilization? It isn't strong as it used to be. There's cracks and fissures everywhere. Why is that? Fallen. Fallen is Babylon. So every iteration of Babylon is fundamentally collapsed already. Which is to say, my brothers, my sisters, if your sense of happiness is going to be based on the American dream, Canadian version of that, your dream will collapse and your happiness will not be achieved. Because fallen, fallen is Babylon, she's off her mount, defeated. And that's why Jesus says, come out of her. Distance yourself from that. He knows Babylon's defeated. He doesn't want his people to share defeated values. It's Christ alone that'll build up. Restore paradise. And so this becomes a question for us. Is this how you think? I need Christ to be happy. I don't need money to be happy. I don't need sex to be happy. I don't need freedom to be happy. I don't need travel. I need Christ. Because He got to the bottom of the problem, sin. Do you believe that? And so will you let goods and kindred go? 
Let me just make this a tad more concrete, maybe. And invite you to take your Bibles and turn with me to Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. Verse 32, the apostle is writing this letter to Jews who became Christians. Verse 32, recall the former days when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, sometimes being partners with those so treated, for you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property, since you knew you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. What's that about? About Jews who had bought into the no, not the American dream. This is 2,000 years ago. So let me just call it the Roman dream. And we can build things up ourselves. And by God's grace, they became Christians. And experienced suffering, persecution, the plundering of their property, says the passage. And their reaction was joy. They joyfully accepted the plundering of their property. Why? Because they came away from the values that had been theirs before they came to faith. And they understood, because of Christ Jesus and his work, we have better and an abiding possession. Right? Let goods and kindred go. This mortal life will so. Come out of her, my people, says the Lord. So there's the challenge. And our trust is now com concrete enough. What of North American civilization are you happy to let go? Jesus says everything. Because I am your life. Let's move on to our second point. Because if that's the answer to the first question, why reject Babylon's values? What are you going to replace it with? What do you do instead? And let's go back to our text. That window of verse 4 for the voice from heaven, with Christ's authority then, says, Come out of her, my people. Now, let's pause for a moment of the word people. What is the place that God gave to people? Genesis 1, after God had made everything, he made man, People in his own image, male and female, he made them, and he said to them, Be fruitful, multiply, etc., have dominion over all creatures. 
point is, people were created to be kings. Have dominion over God's world. Psalmate, all things under your feet. The passage adds the pronoun, my people. My is Christ. It's atoned for the sins of those the Father has given to him. Those rebels, transgressors of Genesis 3, are restored to the position of kings. So when Jesus ascended into heaven, he received the throne at God's right hand, and the Apostle Paul writes that you, he says to the Ephesians, and we understand that it calls that, that counts for all God's people, are also seated with Christ in the heavenly places. You're restored to the position of being kings in God's world. What do kings do? Well, they act kingly. That is our passage. Look at verse 6. My people are told, pay Babylon back as she herself has paid back others. Pay her back, execute justice. What Babylon did to you, do it back to her. Act as kings. Eye for eye. Tooth for tooth. When we read that instruction, brothers and sisters, we're needing to get a particular image in our minds about what, about what this come out of her looks like. For my suspicion is that when you read, you hear the command to come out of her, what you picture in the eye of your mind is here's North American civilization, and you got to come out of her, meaning you kind of isolate yourself. You kind of sideline yourself. And so somehow you're less than, out of step with society. But the picture that the Lord's giving here is a different one. He says, here's North American civilization. This is Babylon, and you, my people, come out of her. That does not mean step out, sideline yourself. You are kings. Rise above this Babylonian mindset that you find in North American civilization. You are kings, meaning... Christ is king of kings. 
and you, my people, have access to the heavenly prime minister's office. That is where you belong, kings with Christ. You're not sidelined. You're elevated. Think of it that way. But in the heavenly prime minister's office, of course, the function you have then, as in the PMO in Ottawa, you're meant to connect with the prime minister. Talk with him. And so, too, with Christ. Prayer. How do you actually go about paying Babylon back, paying North American civilization back as she has paid back others? How do you go about doing that? Prayer. You approach the throne of the King of Kings, and you pray as Jesus himself taught us, for example, in the Lord's Prayer, and I'm thinking now of this second petition, your kingdom come, preserve and increase your church, destroy the works of the devil, every power that exalts itself against you, every conspiracy against your holy word. Well, that's Babylon. That's North American civilization. That's this prostitute. The ones to entice you, lure you away from God. And the Lord says, My people, your kings, pay your back. Approach me in the vein of Psalm 7. Dare to pray as David did in that psalm. My Lord, in you take refuge. Save me from my pursuers and deliver me. Oh, yes, that, 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 we, we pray that. Arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself against the fury of my enemies. Well, that's Babylon trying to entice me to sin against God. And there's so many prayers like that in the Psalter. And that's how the church, you and I, the people of God, are meant to pray, act kingly. And what happens then? You pray like that. And John sees the effect. Look at verse 9. The kings of the earth who committed sexual immorality and lived in luxury with her. Right? They passed the laws that helped to get people to build along on this Tower of Babel. They're over there weeping and wailing over her when they see the smoke of her burning. And they say, alas, alas, this great city, you mighty city Babylon, America is fallen.
That's the kings. That's the presidents. That's the prime ministers. No, not just of America, but of every iteration of Babylon in the course of history. You surprised to read this? Think it through. How many of the plans of kings, of presidents, of prime ministers over the course of the centuries have actually achieved what they hoped they would achieve? A paradise on earth. Did Hitler? Did Stalin? Did Roosevelt? Did Churchill? Achieve? A paradise? Every last one died or was defeated or got voted out, replaced by new kings. What have new kings done or presidents or prime ministers or whatever? What have they done? Recognize the failures of the past, adjusted the program because this is what it takes to make a paradise. Did it ever happen? Babylon's fallen. So the kings weep and wail. Because God answers the petitions of his people to pay her back. It's not just the kings who weep and wail, but says the voice from heaven, so do the merchants. Verse 11. The merchants, the businessmen. You see, Babylon, in conjunction with the policies put together by the kings and the presidents and so on, Babylon says, we can build up a paradise and people, what you need in order to be happy is there's a long list of stuff that you can get. A high level of standard of living. Babylon's fallen. The people aren't buying the stuff anymore. So the merchants weep and they wail too. In answer to the prayers of the people of God. That list of cargo, verse 12 and 13, This is descriptive of what was happening in John's day 2,000 years ago. But you read that and you see this is today. The devil doesn't have that great imagination. How to build up a paradise on earth? Give people what they want. Luxury, like gold, silver, jewels, pearls, etc. Very extravagant lifestyle. But this reflects a global economy. Just check it out. There's silk in that list. Where does it come from? China. There's ivory in that list. Where that come from? Southern Africa. There's spices. 
cinnamon. Where'd it come from? Sri Lanka, Indonesia. It's 2,000 years ago. It was a global economy. There's even wheat mentioned here. Wheat. Rome, at the time, was the biggest city with some 800,000 inhabitants. What did they eat? They imported wheat. Where from? Ukraine. There's nothing new under the sun. But the merchants are weeping and wailing simply because my people are acting as kings. Speaking to the king of kings about what's important. And so it's two shipmasters for 17. The businessmen can organize the luxury goods from who knows where, but somebody's got to truck it from there to here. Well, that's the shipmasters, that's the seafaring men, the sailors. Yeah, we would say today the truckers, indeed. And they too are all lamenting and grieving these blue-collar workers who know how hard it is to earn a day's work and keep the family going. All these burly men standing far off throwing dust on their heads, recognizing we're finite, we're dust, with all our labors, the whole civilization we're part of cannot build up a paradise. And again, let me challenge you, can you find an example in history where the workers of the world, in fact, were elevated to a standard of living that equated a paradise. It's in plenty of efforts, but never successful. Because fallen, fallen is Babylon. And you can see it in our own current culture as well. Though we have a high standard of living across North America, there are so many people suffering from anxiety from depression, suicides. Why? This isn't a paradise. Our third point. How do we respond to all this? What are your options? You could, my brothers, my sisters, you could respond with joining in the weeping and wailing as you see North American civilization cracking. You could lament the decrease in real wealth because of inflation. 
you could lament the dangers to health as it experienced the last couple of years. You could weep because of restrictions, loss of freedom. Yeah, you can join the kings and the merchants and the sailors weeping and lamenting. You could. That's an option. But the option that the Lord sets before you, just come out of her, my people. And then you get verse 20. Rejoice over Babylon, O heaven. Who's in heaven? Who gets told to rejoice? The angels. It's the saints who died. The souls under the altar, for example, the martyrs. Babylon's fallen. And God will repay her according to all she's done. Rejoice, O heavens. But the passage continues. And you saints and apostles and prophets. Now who's the saints? Well, not the, they're not those of heaven. That's the first word already. The saints is you, is me. It's the my people who are living on this earth, surrounded by this, 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 this aura called Babylon. And you're told, rejoice. Why? Because Babylon is fallen. Does it really matter then that fallen Babylon would plunder what you have? You have an abiding treasure in heaven. And so you rejoice at that. Striking is how Psalm 7 ends. I will give thanks to the Lord due to his righteousness I will sing praise to the name of the Lord the Most High. Says David, when he experienced injustice from Cush the Benjaminite. And he prays for justice. Yeah, we sang it. We read it. And he ends with praise. Rejoice, O saints and apostles and prophets, all you who preach this gospel, who believe this gospel, who treasure the reality of Babylon, is fallen. Rejoice. For God has given judgment for you against her. So, how do you respond? You, my brothers, my sisters... Receive from God not a place outside civilization, sidelined, so that it needs to bother you when you lose this, that, and the other. You have a place above civilization, Babylon. 
in the heavenly prime minister's office, you may sing and shout for joy. Because Christ is King of Canada. Amen. Let us pray. Lord God in heaven, we praise you for the wonders of the gospel. Lord, we're today's people. And we do realize something of the temptations that come from that prostitutes Babylon that civilization that cancels you and preaches that we can build up a paradise and earth ourselves. Lord, we thank you for the gospel of Christ's victory. And so the call of Christ to come out of her, to distance ourselves from that mindset of the civilization of which we're a part. Lord, we thank you that even though our land would strive to cancel you, it cannot, the effort cannot be successful. Though our land would strive to cancel your people, that effort too cannot be successful. We praise you. We have access into the heavenly prime minister's office so we can speak to you of what you have done in this world in Christ Jesus and what's happening in the world too. And so, Lord, we pray for the kings of our day and age, for the businessmen of our day and age, for the blue-collar workers of our day and age, and the consumers Lord, there's so much of that conviction that people can solve the problems. We pray, save us from our pursuers. Deliver us from the mindset of Babylon. Indeed, we pray, arise, O Lord, in your anger. Lift yourself up against the fury of our enemies. We pray, Lord, that the assembly of the peoples be gathered around you, that you would judge, that you would pay back to Babylon what Babylon has done to your people. Lord, we praise you. We may know you to listen to the prayers of your people. We marvel at the place we have in this world. And so we also pray that even as our civilization crumbles, as there is an effort for a great reset, we pray that many in our land, our continent, our civilization may come to know you. Lord, will you continue to work mightily to make your kingdom to come, destroy every work of the devil, every conspiracy against your holy word.
today is the day of Christ's return, Lord, that day when paradise will be restored on account of his saving work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.